So I did some research on the 1920 Detroit Red Wings. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yes. <Are you> ready? <laughs> yes. So yeah. on the last evolving hockey podcast, we talked about the 1920 Red Wings. The 1920 Red Wings, not the 2019 20, 2020 Red Wings. The 1920 Red Wings never existed because they didn't <laughs> exist yet. <laughs> there was no American NHL teams at that point. There was only four teams in 1920. And so now so, I feel extremely embarrassed, not just for not recognizing that it's not the 2019-2020 Red Wings, <laughs> but the fact that I, I thought it was a team that didn't exist, and it didn't occur to me that they didn't exist until like 1926, was it? Yeah, I 1926 mean, you're, you're, as the Detroit Cougars. You're, you're close enough. You're in the 20s. You're in the 1920s. But see, that's why I referred to it as 1920 Red Wings, because... Obviously, no, that's not the why Detroit Red Wings <laughs> were not a team in 1920, so that obviously means the 2019-2020 Red Wings. Luke, Luke, uh, Luke is a, a hockey historian, and yes. he knows when every team came in the league and um, and all this stuff. So yeah, it, what Sean is he's referencing is we I, there was about a 20 minute space between us talking about it and then you realizing that we weren't actually talking about the 1920 Red Wings last episode, I believe, which is not a thing. Yeah, which isn't a thing. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if it's, well, yeah, anyway, I don't even remember what the context was. Was it about bad teams? Yeah, I think we were talking about, about real bad yeah. teams. And the 1926 uh, Detroit Cougars probably were also bad. Are, are the Kraken getting into that category now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's been one of the things. We could, we could chat yeah, about the, real the, bad. the Kraken, but um, uh, don't we need to banter a little bit more before we get into hockey stuff no, here? we could talk about hockey <laughs> right off the well, bat. Actually, no, we, we could. I, I tweeted this out, but we, me and you... Well, I see me and you, me and the, and the twins, Josh and Luke, we're talking about a Minnesota trip this summer. And so I randomly went on Google Maps. And so this is our, our weekly geography lesson as well. Oh, yeah. I found out that there's actually a town called Little Canada in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not even that far outside of Minneapolis. No, it's no, not. I think we've driven through. Let me go look. I, I know I have a, uh, a a vague idea of where Little yeah, Canada just straight, is. straight straight north of St. Paul. I, I saw it. So... This is also this is Canadian uh, uh, related. So we were in uh, we got our COVID boosters earlier today. Um, so if I start to feel uh, bad during the podcast, that'll be the reason why. But um, <laughs> we were in Walmart and somebody had a, a hoodie on that said Canadian. Uh, what was it? Canadian born Minnesota bread or something like that. It was like a really weird specific shirt about somebody who was born in Canada but then grew up in Minnesota. And I was like laughing about that. I was like I've never seen or uh, a sentiment like that before. Anyway, I'm going to go look for Little Canada. Yeah, it's in- just straight north of downtown St. Paul. It's just right outside. It's like the first ring suburb east of Roseville. Yeah, bam. Is it on uh uh what's the highway? Um I feel like I've 36. Uh, no, Highway 61 just barely goes. That's what I've seen it cuz when if you take of of Bob Dylan fame, Highway 61 goes all the way up the um, eastern border of Minnesota up to where uh, is it Hinkley Hibbing? I can never remember where Bob Dylan's from, but Hibbing Hibbing. But no, if you take Hinkley. that out of the Hinkley, no Hibbing. One of them. So this know. is some more Minnesota because we always end up talking about Northeast. Who like is Sean Bob Dylan. I know Brendan Dylan. <laughs> Get out of here, Sean. I don't want. I don't even want this right now. It says he was born in Duluth. But that's not. I think he grew up in. I don't know. There's a whole. Anyway, there's. I get. So we always talk about northeastern geography. Hibbing. Hibbing. Hibbing, Minnesota. There are two towns. So do you know Duluth, Sean? Have you heard of. Do you know where Duluth is? Yeah, they have a trading post. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that is the Duluth, right? Duluth Trading Company. There's also Isn't a Duluth, the... Georgia, that some people know. That's a pretty big city. Although I read, or I recently found out that Duluth, Georgia, I believe, was named after Duluth, Minnesota, because who somebody. The, the, I don't know. This is a long is time ago. Is that like their their winter house was down in, I, in I don't Georgia, I think, and they were just like, "Yeah, let's name Luke, it Duluth." Go, Luke, go look at go research that really quick while I explain where Duluth is. Is that there's there's Lake Superior. It comes the the North Shore of Minnesota has um, borders Lake Superior on the north side of the lake, and the south side is mostly Wisconsin. But on the tip, um, it's Duluth, and it's this huge, pretty big city. That's an old port town. Um, gorgeous place, really fun, but a little south of there is where Bob Dylan is from. But the the road, the highway, Highway 61, that his album is around, is based on, is runs, it's a big highway that runs, well, actually not really big anymore, but it runs along the entire um, eastern side of Minnesota, and it goes very close to Little Canada. So that's why, if, Sean, if you ever come visit, we could definitely go see Little Canada. Yeah. There's nothing there. It's just a like well, second a ring suburb. suburb. No, first ring suburb. First well, ring? Is yes, and also... A, yeah, it's a first ring suburb. I, yeah. I saw that on the Wikipedia page. Okay. I could just take a picture with like the welcome to Little Canada <laughs> sign. Yeah. Also, the there's Cole a... Um, oh, where yeah. is the city that Joe Pavelski's from? Yeah, I... Uh, what is it? In we Wisconsin. Were, it's we were in driving Wisconsin. through Wisconsin, and some of these towns will have actual like billboards. It's like proud home of, or like birthplace of a famous hockey player, and Joe Pavelski is from... Kind of middle middle of Wisconsin, uh, this small town. Where, Luke, go look it up. I you're am, a researcher, right? You're, now. I, so first of all, <laughs> Duluth, Georgia. It says okay. We're, on getting, Wikipedia, we're falling back up on Luke's research here. It was named after the city of Duluth, Minnesota. The midwestern city had gotten its own railroad connection not long before, which had prompted uh, someone, a Kentucky Democrat, to make a speech in Congress mocking the project as wasteful. That speech drew national attention, according to contemporary report. Okay, this is too long. But yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> I knew and then, it. I knew it. And then Joe Pavelski was born in Plover, Wisconsin. That's it. That's it. And, and there's a big um, like billboard in town that says it's got a big, like it's big, and I, I took a picture next to it. So I can't, I don't know. I'm sure that there's at least one NHL player who was born in or from Little Canada, Minnesota. Uh, I wonder if Luke researched that really quick. What? <laughs> Any NHLers? Yeah, they have a sign. Welcome to Plover, home of Joe Pavelski, San Jose Sharks, two-time Olympian. And then it's, yeah, there's a bunch of people. Okay, hold on. What, what was I supposed to research? Go research if any NHL oh, players from Little Canada. NHL player Little Canada. All right, talk amongst yourselves. So anyway, this is your. Uh, 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 this is our. our... <laughs> it came up with Brian Little. <laughs> Brian Little's from Little Canada. No, Brian he's not. Little. <laughs> Brian Little was born in Canada. So. <laughs> Brian Little Canada. That's how Google yeah. Google works. Okay, hold on. All right, Little. we're holding while Luke uh, does his research. I know. Um, this is uh, the thing is we call this a hockey podcast, but I mean you can learn more about geography. Evolving geography. Yeah. Yes. Evolving geography. Uh, Eventually yeah. we'll Let's move see. to the West Coast. Yeah, I know. We're we're well. We're evolving I don't know. west. We're pioneering. Sean, Sean, you haven't until a couple years ago been out of Massachusetts, really, right? I'd, I'd been out of Massachusetts plenty of times. <laughs> I hadn't been out of the time zone until last okay. Month. That was that was what it was. Yes, so I, I mean, I, uh, you. I think I've, I, I've been on. I've been to every coastal state, and I've been to Quebec, East and Coastal, Ontario. Yeah, East Coastal or West Coastal as well. Well, East. Yeah, so there I are coastal there, states my, on my the time. West. <laughs> and, and I specifically mean the Atlantic Ocean as well. Like I've never been to Alabama or Mississippi. Okay, but, well, those are central 
right? Whatever. A Gulf Whatever. of Mexico. We're, I don't know. We're also, done with geography. Yes. We're not. Also, I, I do not think I can find an actual person, a, a player who has played in the NHL that was born in Little Canada. If we had done a little more preparation, we would have known. We would have rambled into this, and Luke and I could have gone and looked through the player bios and seen if. Oh well. You know, we could have uh, looked to see if anyone was from. All there, right. But, well, that's probably that's enough um, talking about right. geography. That's been your weekly. Are we talking about hockey? the Sabers now? You're evolving geography <laughs> uh, no, a bit. I, I think we could probably leave a, a week off of the Sabres, maybe? Yeah, they just know. lost. We just watch them. Sabres talk this week? We just watch, watch them lose with, like, 0. .4 seconds left to the Rangers. Yeah, they had some classic Buffalo and defense we, in the and last And we, we had seconds. a great idea that the three teams in New York should all play in a single game where... Okay. <laughs> so I gotta hear. The, I gotta hear this. I gotta like truly focus on this on this one. This is the yeah. tweet you said you're gonna surprise me with. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is the one. Well, this. so okay. it's basically the idea is that the Rangers, Islanders, and Sabers they play on a triangular rank sheet of ice with three nets and like one two pucks, probably. one and a half pucks, one and a half pucks, <laughs> at least one, maybe more pucks. And then someone responded and said it should be a hexagonal rank where you have three nets and it's a free-for-all scoring 3v3v3 with one puck which would be a great that's a really good idea i think they should do that and they should do that for the california teams too so it's like (laughs) battle of california or battle for california battle for new york and it's like an exhibition game that's i would i would love the nhl and it should be like a the winter classic but yeah the winner future or something. Sean is Not- grimacing. I can see that he <laughs> hates this idea. If even thinking about it, this is like our I- other idea, famous ideas such as a jump puck. Jump puck is another really great <laughs> idea that from Evolving Wild Twins about how to uh, push hockey forward to a the future. A jump puck. What's, what's, Instead wait, what's of jump dropping puck for every face off. This is my old idea. I've had trouble finding my tweet, but this is an original uh, Evolving Wild uh, Younger and Twins tweet idea. Is Instead of dropping a puck at a faceoff, you throw the puck up in the air like a, yeah. a jump ball, and then you have to basketball. fight over it. And then you have to. So it's like you know, that's that's. I think that they. That's could, a that's a great idea. Yeah, they should also <laughs> allow. Uh, um, if when the goalie takes a penalty, they should have to come out of the net, and another player should have to play goal. Yeah, that so like is a skater also. should have to go as the goalie. Also, uh, if if it's a five on three power play. And the team shorthanded takes a penalty. It should go to five v two. Five v two. Yeah. All these great ideas. So don't, many good ideas. Okay. Don't abolish I, offside. <laughs> okay. So let's okay. get back the goal to the try thing. No. Before we get to that, the goaltending <laughs> okay. thing. Here's my idea: is that if a goaltender takes a penalty, okay, you don't go shorthanded. The goaltender loses his glove for the remainder of the period, <laughs> and he has two blockers. Ooh. No more glove. He can't freeze the puck. Essentially. For the yeah. rest of the period? Rest of the period. That's, I mean... Because you don't go down shorthanded, so it has to... But, like, it's basically... I, you need to, s- to still put the goaltender in timeout, but, like, not get ludicrous on it. I know. Well, and that's the thing I think that... Um, I, I just think goalies... Well, I actually... You probably could say that goalies have it hard enough already, so punishing them even further for doing things. I like that. And know. then they should have, like, a, a, a pouch on the back of the net where they have an extra <laughs> blocker so that when that happens... Yeah. They have to switch off their glove for another blocker that's a different hand. Part of me, though, really really <laughs> wants there to be some way to work in, like, a normal, like, a, a, a rostered skater has to play net, like, goal for, like, a minute and a half or two yeah. minutes or whatever. like, 30 seconds, there's an offensive zone or a defensive zone face-off, and then, one then of the skaters be... has to play goal in their normal equipment. Yeah, but I don't know. That's, that's probably dangerous. very unsafe, though. Very yeah. unsafe. Back <laughs> but to no, the and no thing. lifting. Back, Back to the, the tri-rank. Okay. The tri-rank. So, for one, I think you have the teams wrong. 
What? That's the New York State teams. So like, someone said the Devils. Are the Devils in New York? No, they're not in New York. So well. that, I would include I would include the Devils before I would include the Sabers. So like then, the Sabers. Uh, okay, back to the Northeast geography here, right? <laughs> okay, I know this. <laughs> like the Sabers I are like know. way upstate. And then way west, right? Like, it's nowhere as close to New York City. Then you got the Rangers, who are on Manhattan. You have the Islanders, who are now on the island again. And then, like, you have Newark's, like, right there. Like, you saw the Sopranos, right? Like, they're really connected to New York. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. So you got the Sopranos team right right there <laughs> in Newark, right? And that literally makes a triangle. There's There's... An obtuse angle between Manhattan <laughs> and Buffalo, and then Buffalo is East Canada. It's not really like New York. Yeah, like it's, I know, I know, but it's, it's still the same within state. the New York State. So I'm saying the battle for the state of New York. Yeah, and then if Buffalo wins, because Jersey, I mean, Newark is still in New but Jersey. But actually, it's not you know, just state. add the Devils, and then they play in a big square yeah. where you have New- a cross of two ranks that are going. Across and they have to play two games at the okay. same time while yeah. avoiding we're all getting, the other teams. We're getting back to the geography here. <laughs> no, I don't want to do more. No, no, yes. no. We're, we did. We're Northern New the Jersey. Northern New Jersey is New York. Southern New Jersey is Philadelphia. New Jersey as itself does not exist as a state. Okay, I mean, That's I don't. I'm, wrong. I, I don't really want to take your word for that, but I guess we. New have Jersey to. is a state. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, Sean is making this involved up. there. And okay, then yeah. I, add I mean, us about this. It's not. It's not a bad idea. All right, like it would be an interesting little like all star game type thing. Like maybe we yeah. should switch the all star game to like a uh, literal four v four, octagonal. Yeah. Ring. Oh. Well, okay. So let's get back to the. I I think if you think about it, if it's a triangle sheet of ice that on each of the ends is like a back, you have a square back on. It kind of looks like a, the triangle. A, a, well, a would be a square hexagon. back. Would it be like a fidget spinner if it's like a. It's kind of, <laughs> but I think it would be like a pyramid, it, but hexagon. The, the, it'd be like a triangle. We gotta, di- we gotta like make like a nice diagram and like. And but I guess like, the yeah. the thing would be how do you have do you have octagon with rounded corners? That's the the ideal scenario here. No, 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 Wait, no. Hexagon. Mean, hexagon with rounded corners. The yes. ultimate Micah Blake McCurdy ring. I know. Would be a hexagon yes. rink that you have three teams play, and you. I think you only can have one puck, and then you have three centers that have to take. The draw, yeah, for their respective teams, and then it's free scoring wherever, yeah. right? Isn't that how that would work? You could do score I, right. People, if you're listening, has anyone done anything <laughs> like this with weird ranks? I'm curious. You know. So here's another question I have: How do you prevent teaming? Because the way I see this, right? Yes, the Rangers and Islanders are, you know, a rivalry, and the other they don't have a rivalry with Buffalo. But they're just gonna continue. They're gonna bully Buffalo, like they're yeah. gonna treat them like they're the well, Arizona Coyotes. So I feel like I, actually you're probably correct in that. I think the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders all hate each other in kind of equal parts, right? Like and it would, I don't, yeah, it would, like the Rangers, the the Devils and the Islanders aren't. You think they're gonna? Well, maybe they would. I don't know. How, well, the how, Devils how, are more of okay. So the Devils are more of a rivalry to the two New York teams than yeah. Buffalo is to the two what, New York teams. So, that's what I'm saying. I think that you're right in that. I think the triway hatred of the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders would work out more in favor of them not two of them not teaming up on one or the other. But I don't know would that actually be a thing. Anyway, this is going on it's way going too on long. way too long. If, if my great point, idea. my point here is anyone listening, if there's been any, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be ice hockey, roller hockey, anything where 
teams, you've had more than two teams play on a weird rink. I would love to hear about it to see if that actually happened or if there's any logistical issues with that or if the NHL should consider, you know, moving into the 21st century and, and changing <laughs> their, you know, their, their sheet ice to see if they can get a tri sheet or hexagon sheet. Anyway, uh, that's enough uh, rambling of this segment of this segment of Evolving Wild's <laughs> incredible hockey ideas. I do think a jump puck, though, is something that we should think about. No, that sounds like whack-a-mole waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like you're just gonna have. Oh my god! Imagine Bradley Marchand in the in the, in the jump in the jump puck circle. <laughs> the jump puck taking somebody's head off. Yeah, but, and, yeah, oh, okay. it's dangerous. A lot do you of these are. Move to another chaotic topic here. Sure, I would sure. love to. Yes. Um, shorthanded goals. Ooh, what what happened with this? I so, heard the- Breadman just got a shorthanded goal as we went over uh, just before this. Um, that's Panarin, in case anybody. Yeah, didn't that's know. not Panarin. <laughs> what? That's Mangiapane. Oh, Bread- but Breadman, isn't that what Panarin? Isn't that the what is going on? No, Mangiapane is the new Breadman. When okay, new, Artemi new Panarin Breadman, gets fifteen goals, then he could take it back. Okay. <laughs> Which anyway, we also can... said he was a very overlooked player on like one of the first podcasts yeah. here. And then look at him. He's he's stunning right now. Like a Troy Taylor. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna look up so currently well Sean, continue your thought on what we're going with shorthanded. I don't really know where I was going with this. <laughs> I'd like I think Val Nachushkin got a, a shorthanded goal this week. Shout out to him. Uh Mitch Marner had one tonight. Uh Shout out to Mitch Marner. Yeah, shout out Mitch Marner. No, that's not. Um, Jason <laughs> Robertson, I think you said had. Yeah, had I, I, so I think week. I was. They've no, just been really dropping off this week. They Rude have. Pins. So I'm looking on evolving-hockey.com on our skater standard tables. Uh, currently, the the there are two players in the NHL who have two shorthanded goals this season. Uh, there are a total of um, 21 players who have a shorthanded goal, which I don't know how that compares to previous seasons but that seems kind of high um and the two who have two are riley smith and rupe hints rupe hints that's how you pronounce that correct rupe rupe john i need your help rupe it's rupe Rupe hints Hints? rupe Rupe? i don't know i i I just always hear hints hints i'm gonna say hints has two and i think that was give me a hint <laughs> Boo! All right, we need to. All right, need to you're just, out, you're out of here. You're out of here. Just gonna be Luke and I talking yeah. about. Uh, let me just Luke research this. I'm researching okay. from. Uh, well, well, I just researched from 0708 until now. The 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 single season shorthanded goal leader is Mike Richards from the 08 2008 2009 Flyers. He had seven shorthanded goals. Seven. And then uh, there are two players tied with six: Patrick Sharp from 0708 Blackhawks and Michael Grabner from the 1819 Coyotes. Oh, I remember that. I remember Grabner's shorthanded yeah. season. So Mike Richards is uh, the, the holds the record. Also, he holds the record. No, no, no. He's tied with Eric. I don't even know. This is a Thrashers player, Eric Perrin. From the 0708 Thrashers had nine points shorthanded and is tied with Mike Richards from the same Flyers so team let's see with if, nine if, points. If uh, either Riley Smith or Hints are on pace to have more than that, they have two goals in 15 games. Let me just do a quick little little math here. Uh, quick math. <laughs> Hurry up. Sorry. Keep talking. I'm researching now. Luke, Wait, what Luke was the Sean. point of the shorthanded thing? 
Well, we were talking about it, I think, a little bit ahead of time because that's been somewhat of a topic. Also, with Jim Benning talking about, and I don't know, we can talk about the Canucks an hour later, or maybe we don't have to at all to avoid because everyone else, but Benning was talking about how um, how the Canucks have struggled. One of the reasons is because they've been without some of their, what, what he thought were their important penalty killers. And I saw Corey Schneider uh, had a tweet about how um, it's kind of funny because you could basically call up any AHL player to, to PK, to play oh, yeah. PK. And it kind of triggered a, a memory of, of Luke from when Luke and I were researching our, or doing our goals above replacement model. When we were calculating or determining replacement level, um, we found that for shorthanded defense, that replacement level actually was slightly above average, um, which is an indication that it's difficult to be good at shorthanded, but also that you can pretty you can actually say that you could call up anyone from an NHL theoretically from an NHL team or or any professional hockey player who isn't in the NHL. Um, and expect them to basically be rep- like average. Well, that's on average. On average, yeah. So, like, it's the idea that actually, if you uh, that kind of, I don't know, shorthanded killing as a skill is not really. I don't know. I guess well, I'm that's not, not a skill. I wouldn't not, say anything about skill. Yeah, not skill. Sean's gonna get mad because he's uh, done research on this and knows, you well, know, thinks he knows uh, more about. The, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for one, okay. So let me start with the with the stats thing. For one. Do you know who has the most shorthanded goals in the history of the NHL? Not, not in the your, history. Not your recent history that you say the full, is in the, the full, record books. All the way back to 1920. <laughs> well, since 1933. <laughs> okay. You didn't catch my joke, Sean. Can you guess? Can you, you get one guess. I got. I, I understood the joke. I, since I, 1923. <laughs> We're moving on from that. Since uh, 1923. You got one guess. I, have, I, I don't know. I honestly have no uh, idea. Hold on, Gretzky. Me, I'm going to uh, say Gretzky. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Marchand. No, so it is Gretzky. And oh then yeah, <laughs> which is hell yeah. I was like, yeah. so he he has seventy three, which leads all time. Sixty three is the next with Mark Messier, and then yes, Brad Bradley has is twentieth all time at thirty one and leads all active players. And I don't think any active players are like anywhere close. Um, yeah, yeah, I so mean that makes sense. The next, the like next the... active player is. Cogliano with 21. So he's got 10 more than next active player. And then following that's Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, that makes sense. Because what secondly, do we have? Secondly, oh, okay. on the sh- on back to the shorthanded stuff and maybe to Corey's tweet and where he's sort of stemming from, it's like it, special teams as a whole are very systematic, right? Yeah. It's the only, it's the game state in which, not just shorthanded, but power play as well. In which, um, basically, the coaches can really have a stern control over what happens. Five on yeah. five, five on five, you get the play flowing, and there's less control over. You're you're gonna break away from the system. It's far more chaotic. And so, I think what Corey's meaning is like, well, you can kind of basically bring up anybody, and as long as they can figure out how to play within the system, which is just kind of a few basic reads and a lot of it just comes down to just having the foot speed and being able to read it. Like you could just throw anybody in there. Um, yeah. Well, and, the and then the other thing I would, yeah. And, and that's what I, that's one of the reasons I think why we, we actually see short in a defense kind of ended up ending up being replacement level is about average uh, overall um, is also. And I think another one is probably because I think a lot of, and now Sean, you can tell me if I'm off here. Although I think some people were kind of 
saying the same thing in our replies was that um like I think a lot of maybe fringe AHL NHL players um they one of the reasons they maybe do get called up is to come in and play defense or play penalty kills and so maybe when they're and there's a certain amount of like maybe um like work ethic or how how coaches are identifying uh, players like on the kill right if they're if they're killing and they want that's something that they can potentially optimize as a way to be um, identified as maybe a call up here or there I I would think now I I don't know if that's the case. Um, but I think the I mean, bigger problem, the bigger thing is that it's. I think it's more that the shorthanded defense in general is very systems based, and it's not necessarily a result of one player doing something. It's more about how the team is being coached and their structure um, when they're killing. Well, yeah, the and and also I think the f- kind of an interesting thing. I think we've. I don't know if we ever tweeted about this, but I know that, and I th- I want to say that Micah did something like this too, and maybe Ryan Simpson was looking or Prashant. I can't remember, but uh, Prashant Iyer. Um, that basically even strength defense and shorthanded defense from like our models, like our Rapham models and then our GAR and XGAR models, like even strength de- a players, even strength defense and shorthanded defense are completely unrelated. Like there's no correlation. Like if a player is good at even strength on defense, they are like, there's zero correlation to if they're going to be good shorthanded on defense, <laughs> which is really funny, I think, because that kind of goes to kind of what Sean was saying. Now, Sean's making some type of reaction that I don't know what it means. If that's, is it, what, what are you, what are you, what, what are you saying, Sean? This could bring us to sulky talk. Oh, that's, that's always been, and I know it is your, is for you as well, always been my biggest pet peeve with the sulky stuff, with the sulky talk is that like a, a skater has to play the penalty kill to win the selkie. Yeah, yeah. Dumbest thing in my opinion. Absolutely yeah. dumbest thing. Because there's also like even if we're talking skill set portions, like for one, it's a very specific skill set to play the penalty kill. Like it's just it's a lot more limited in how you can use your skill set to be effective. Um, and for many players i would argue what makes them good defensive players that even strength would make them sort of poor players on on the penalty kill because it's like if you're a good four checker that doesn't and that's where a lot of your defense comes from you're not necessarily going to be great on the penalty kill because you're sort of limited on your effectiveness on the four check on the penalty kill and then once you're in the zone if you don't have the fast feet or whatever if you use it in a way of just like trying to be smart whatever it might be like you're not necessarily gonna be as effective and then that's all in the coach's control is like your penalty kill times all in your coach's control when we're talking about special teams it's it's the game state in which the coaches have the most influence which is also why and also we have a lower sample size and combine those two together is why it's such a hard game state to like evaluate individual players and like we're just like left with a lot of guessing and when goals are going in or not going in we make our evaluations i guess and that can be flawed yeah Yeah. i i would say that that that's the other thing too and because i think it, it there's so much variability year over year too in terms of how players who actually play it's kind of in a similar sense to like um 
you know, only a certain number of players ever play penalty time, right? So, like, it's it's kind of one, and it's kind of a similar thing to like the empty net state, where there's I don't know, two thirds of every NHL player isn't going to play at an empty net situation, offensive. You know, that's not for their offensive side because the coaches are going to go with their top line and top pair most of the time, and might you know might match, mix and match some stuff here. But I mean, looking at even like all time guard leaders since 2007 in shorthanded defense, the number can you guess that we have? I mean, he's become he's now the theme of the podcast to an extent. This episode. Is the the all time leader in shorthanded guard added uh, is uh, Marshand as well, um, so he's uh, uh, and it's only sixteen and a half goals uh, above replacement that he's added value at. So um, I think even among uh, forwards there aren't a lot. It's mostly defensemen, but the second um, all time leader is Carl Hagelin, and the third is uh, oh, where did he go? Um, oh, it's Riley Smith. Um, so some uh, some Boston uh, Boston players in there, but I think it's just a very difficult situation um, for a player to add value, but also just like because it's so controlled by the coach. I'm just kind of restating what well, Sean said. Yeah, I mean, so. I think another example, like I mean, we you know kind of be as young as our hockey fan grew up, we would you know we're big Miko Koibu fans. I'm sure that if oh, people yeah. are shout out Miko Koibu, us, shout out, but like he was incredible at even strength defense like one of the best like it's a you know it's 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 a sh- damn shame that he didn't ne- he never won a selkie that is still something that we i will always be here to any anyway but he was <laughs> not good shorthanded like his results in our models he was not good and they would put him on the kill he was top you know penalty killing unit every year and they would put him but like that's not where like he didn't succeed in that well first of all i think I mean, there's probably many different reasons for why players would be good at even strength, kind of like you were talking about, Sean. Um, but I think that his he was slower, and I think that he um, he he his positioning was more. He 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 succeeded in transition, in terms of transitioning the puck back to offense, which I think is kind of why he was so good at even strength, but not shorthanded. Because when it, you're just stuck yeah. in your own zone, that's a yeah. very different game than if you're in transition. And it's a similar thing, too, I think. to It's the flip side, too, for power play versus um, even strength offense, which you see the same thing, right? It kind of flips with Koivu, where at even strength offense, he wasn't as good. But on the power play, Koivu was actually pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's, and it's, which is kind of a... I don't know. It almost does. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but I think it's exactly what Sean has been saying: is that it's for certain players who have a certain skill set. If you go between the two types, they're complete. They're vastly different, and they're not. But it's a common. Uh, I think maybe I don't know if it's a mistake, but just assuming somebody is oh throw this center who's great on no it it is it yeah. is because I mean there's just like Miku is a very slow, steady, dependable, consistent player. Yeah, right. He wasn't necessarily you know fast enough to be an effective penalty killer and you know so it kind of kills him in certain senses and then when he has the puck on on the power play or when he's out on the power play and he has the ability as a power play unit you have more control over what's happening even though the coach kind of sends you out there you have control you're pick you're the one who's in control picking the passing lanes etc and so when he has the game slow down in that game state and he's able to be more strategic, then he could succeed because he's an extremely smart player. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of funny, just like and again looking at kind of career numbers, um, for, um, using our guard metric, like for Minnesota players, for instance, just because I have this up. Kobe was like the he's the second worst shorthanded defense defensive player who ever played for Minnesota, but he's the fourth best power play player who's ever, who's played for Minnesota since 2007, which is kind of an interesting. Um, I we've seen this before too, this kind of connection or, or disconnection between certain things that I mean, obviously shorthanded defense and power play offense are completely separate, but when you look at their even strength counter. Parts it it's it's funny to look at. Koivu is like I think we have him as the best forward defensive forward since 2007. Now that doesn't include Datsuk, who if he, we had data going back to the early 2000s or in you know, he would have probably easily been the number one like forward there. But um, but, but yeah, then you, I mean then you look funny. at shorthanded and he's terrible historically. Yeah. So. And even like if I look at our X car models, which is just kind of a different version of of I mean it's a different take on a gar model. Um, like he was you know he's added. 53 goals above replacement on e- at even strength defense and he's negative 9.5 and the 24th worst skater shorthanded and it's just really funny because like you see another player Franz Nielsen also among the worst shorthanded defense players uh and but you know added 17 goals above replacement in his career at even strength defense so yeah it's just a really interesting kind of I mean and there's other players like Claude, Gir- Claude Giroux isn't is a very good penalty killer and also incredibly do, performs very well at even strength offense and I mean on the power play too but like there are just you know and, and I mean there are some people who've looked into this like um uh and Mike Fail with his work of you know about power kill uh, or you know and and um I think who else was I know Allison is always talking about power kills and I think Megan Hall did she present on that? Yeah, I, yeah. she did at Ritzak one year yeah. about so, um, anyway, increasing, uh, basically putting more offensive players shorthanded. Um, now, yeah, it's just kind of an interesting idea in terms of something that we can't really identify from the data that we have in the public. But it's kind of if you if you're watching things, you can kind of understand. I at least for me, you can kind of understand why players might be um, having a difficulty shorthanded when they're clearly very good even strength defensive players um and yeah it's just a it's always been kind of an interesting yeah i mean i think i think we should probably tie this off we've been rambling about shorthanded defense for (laughs) far too long but i I think one of the things to take away is that your best even strength forward specifically but also defenseman is not always going to be your best shorthanded and so if you're if you're pining for you know some player to play the penalty kill um it's maybe think about you know are they actually going to perform well in a penalty kill situation you know yeah but also well (laughs) just to get back to sean's original point about the selkie oh yeah so we we didn't ever actually address that is that what how what do we need to take a break what are we at we need to take a break okay probably do our sponsors could get upset yeah Yeah. well let's talk about (laughs) selkie when we get back because we're getting into selkie season oh selkie season (laughs) My favorite. My favorite. Uh, We're not getting into Selkie season. Yeah, Sean, Sean, lead us into break. Do your thing. All right. Well, we have a brilliant message from our followers, from our (laughs) followers, from our sponsor today uh, for you to listen to. So we'll be right back. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL goals above replacement, regularized adjusted plus minus, skater contract projections, visualizations, charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber.
So Luke's getting a little antsy, so hopefully we don't have to cut the uh, the message <laughs> short there. Um, I wanted so to talk about the Selkie, but Sean won't let me. No, yeah, just we're, we're just going to move on to the Selkie talk until real Selkie season comes, which is yeah. when they're at the Olympics and we have no NHL to talk about. So <laughs> let's talk about you guys finally finishing the fancy projection update system here. Let's talk yeah. about that. It's been a long time coming. I think that we've uh, hinted at them almost being done every week for the last four weeks or something. I think is that right, Luke? I don't know. Research something. Go look. Go research. (laughs) Yeah, I'm (laughs) reading. an official transcriber of this podcast. (laughs) I know. Yeah. yeah. There's a uh, some anyway. uh, Yes, Uh, as Sean, you are correct. Um, I believe it was on Wednesday. When did we those go out? My whole it 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 was a lot of uh, work. It was like a week ago. Yeah. uh, Monday? Yeah, it, it was earlier this this past week, but um, we so we we talked about this back in the um in the summer or not summer, I think it was September about our fantasy our initial preseason projections, um, which were were we've uh we entered a new space for us fantasy projections, which is um I'll leave it. I'll just call it. it it's been an interesting uh, ride. It's been it's been uh, there's a whole wild world of fantasy hockey or fantasy sports that Luke and I had not previously really uh, been aware of. But um, one of the things that we wanted to do with these uh, with the fantasy projections was also have in season um updating fantasy projections so something that looks at how players are performing what the rest of season numbers would look like and then also like kind of over underperforming for both skaters and goalies um it it took quite a lot of work uh and it was also um kind of there's there's more manual work in it than i had initially thought there would be due to injuries and tracking of those things um because uh I don't know. Hockey players get injured a lot, and there's a lot of hockey players who are uh, uh, also led to some interesting research into um, players who aren't in the league, which we chatted about a week or two ago. But um, so yeah, we have uh, new tools. They're still under the fantasy projections page, but we have a new tab. So if you're interested in that, um, and we also I wrote up a fairly long thing in our glossary um, under the fantasy projections page uh, that kind of goes in depth on how they work. Um, but you can go and look at. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, preseason projections, rest of season projections, end of season, current totals, and then over underperforming for uh, your any metrics and weights that you would like to use. Um, and so it was it was kind of an interesting thing. I've done this in the past where, um, and I think maybe talking just a little bit about the method would be more interesting than just going over uh, the exact tools because I think that they're 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 meant to be kind of customizable for your specific league. So it's kind of hard to default to one setting up front because it's going to be different for whatever league you're using. Um, but I, I think the the thing that's important to to note is that we we didn't do a new model or anything that that looks at um, actual that's trained on in season data. We're actually just using our preseason rates, so the projected rates, and then looking at how many games are left and how many um, games were missed. And there's a couple different methods for you can look at how a player has played in the games that they played in. So it's kind of an injury absent view. You're not taking into account injuries, um, but then also we have the ability to look at played in like the games we would have expected them to play so in that view you're if you drafted for instance Kucherov you know in the top five right he's missed I don't know every game except two did he play in two um so long story short that's um kind of how they work I think there's a lot more detail uh on the glossary so if you really are interested but it's I think it's kind of an interesting thing I don't know if um the the idea of looking at in-season projections I don't know Sean if you've heard or seen anybody else kind of do a model for that or Luke maybe you no I mean it's pretty it's kind of a tricky thing to like, because right now, like Josh mentioned, we're only doing what our preseason projections were and then prorating basically for the rest of the season. Um, 
because our um, a lot of these were built for as a single season projection for the entire season. Um, we don't we don't do some type of like rolling projection or in season, which we potentially could explore in the future. But that would be a lot of work to do for you know the number of metrics that are available in fantasy hockey leagues and we still didn't catch everything so something in the future to probably look at um but we do have end of season totals that are kind of updated with what they've done plus kind of what we expect them to do in the for the rest of the season so um, but i actually think the um i mean me personally just because i built the pages uh the under over (laughs) the under over performing page is really interesting to look at because by our default weights that we just we set um that were kind of after a lot of research for like just trying to get an average fantasy league weighting system um you know Troy Terry the most overperforming player in the league based on our initial projections and number 2 is Ovechkin <laughs> yeah so yeah there you go Sorry, Troy, Sean, more you, Troy Sean, Terry content yeah Sean wanted an opportunity it's not, to it's not that he's overperforming it's that you <laughs> underestimated him i find it interesting though <laughs> When you look at the other side of it, though, it largely is injuries, as you assume, I guess, right? Like, Kudera, yeah, that's the default. Stone. Is the is right. per games that were available. That's kind of the if you flip to per games played, you'll kind of see the actual like uh, right, yeah, right, so underperforming yes, yeah. based on what the games they've played. So in. The most underperforming player, um, and this is uh, just looking at games played. So Jeff Petrie is currently the most underperforming player. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to steal, you know, and, and yeah, you steal your see, thunder here, Sean. Yeah. And you see not to get off topic. Um, it was like a couple weekends ago now when he just like absolutely just pelted, um, Jake Allen. I did absolutely just threw a guy like RKO style into Jake Allen. Oh really? Yeah. Jake Allen, I think he's still out hurt. I was gonna say, is that is that what? Because he's we've been tracking injuries now, and I've he's been out for Montreal for a while. Was it from that incident? Yeah, he just okay. absolutely just took a man and just threw it at Jake Allen. And then the yeah. following night in Boston, he just throws a puck into his own goal, essentially. Oh no! And it was yeah. I I'm pretty sure he wants out of Montreal at this point. Yeah. I yeah I I don't honestly we I, I feel bad because we uh you know we were previous Habs fans uh, last season and then we had to move on to the Devils this season so I haven't really been paying attention to the Canadians that much this year um, other than them being uh, not having the greatest start to the season but I was going to say the uh, if we so if we look at I, I think the per games played so just looking at um, the games that players have played in and looking at how that compares to their preseason projections. Um, it's also interesting because number two is Jonathan Taves. Number three is uh, Jacob, Jacob Chikrin, who we've talked about before. Um, and number four is your guy, Nick Ritchie, Sean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Mark Shifley. So these are your most, uh, the, the biggest underperformers. Are we not going to talk about Mitch Marner down there at 10? He's at 10. He's gotten better. Him and Matthews for uh, about the he, first he four weeks. Well, he, scored two, he scored two goals tonight. Yeah. He's, they, they've, uh, they've turned it around. The real reason, I don't know if you've been following it this deeply, is that they, they put back in like their dress code again. And oh. that's, what, <laughs> that's, that's what Austin said. It was, yeah. The dress code actually... talk this year, luckily we, we have not addressed the dress code talk. I would like to not keep to, to continue that trend of never yes. discussing the dre- the dress code trend. Yeah, but, people yeah. have never seen you at, at a hockey conference. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Every is that time a, is that a dig at yeah, our? Is that a dig at, at our? You're my just dress? very you're very Minnesota. 
<laughs> I just dress, what, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't like What's this going shade. on? I don't like this. I show up to this podcast with a collared shirt every episode, yeah. Sean. And, and I'm it's, wearing my Nike collared shirt. I know exactly. Sean's giving us, uh, you know, he, he's 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 throwing shade our way. Anyway, um, yeah. So to 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 kind of final to to finish off that it's it's not so. Just also, I wanted to say that the fantasy projection tools are not. Um, even if you don't pay play uh, fantasy hockey, they um, we this is uh, maybe against our brand, but we've been trying to incorporate other areas that we've maybe in the past been uh, a little apprehensive to do. It's if you want to look at just straight box score numbers, like not even just for um, fantasy, but just it, it. We have you can look at standard box score metrics that are compared to our preseason projections. So if you do just want to look at who's putting up a lot of goals or who has a lot of assists compared to what we thought they would before the season. Um, that's a, it's a good way. And the over underperforming table, I think Luke and I are both quite proud of, uh, and it did take a while to do. And we're finally done. I don't uh, really want to think about fantasy hockey ever again, but we will be. Uh, <laughs> and I think I don't, I shouldn't spoil. I'm not going to spoil. We have a maybe a, p- a potentially fun uh, podcast episode in the future that is with uh, that's about uh, fantasy hockey. But I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to say anything else. So yeah, um, I will. I will stop there. I know Sean. I don't think Sean plays fantasy hockey. Uh, you did one year with us, didn't you? Yeah, we did like a hockey refs one, and then yeah, I'm pretty sure like a few. My problem is like a few weeks in, I just I. I don't lose interest in the season, right? Yeah, I just lose interest in the fantasy hockey portion. I don't know why. It's really not that like, um, it's not that difficult to just set your lineup every day. But like, eventually, I just kind of, yeah, I, yeah. We, we, I think we 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 started and we were hoping to go on ESPN because that's the league that we had always been on. But I think like on the TV channel. No, no, ESPN dot com. <laughs> ESPN's. Fa- come on, come on now. I could I could just see the panel with you and Torts. Oh, I can see it now. It's amazing. We get along great. We yeah. would get a yeah. We just yeah. It'd be a blast. Yeah, we talk <laughs> about how McDavid needs to change his game again, yeah. right? Or no, I'm not. Uh, sorry, continue, Luke. Sean interrupted you there. Well, me. I was just saying that we that we ended up playing on Yahoo, and I did not like the Yahoo experience, even though I know that some people do. But I had all, we had always just done it on ESPN. Um, I think that Yahoo probably has better stats though, but I'm not sure. I don't know. We did, but, but because of how much time it took for us to get ready for the season and make the fantasy projections, we weren't able to join any fantasy hockey leagues. Well, the other so thing we, too is is that we don't have any friends. No, I'm just we have we have <laughs> friends, but none of our friends. Shout, uh, uh, this is putting our friends on notice in our in Minnesota. A lot of our friends are not hockey fans or don't want to join a fantasy hockey league. We could maybe get like. Two people of our friend group. What do you don't grimace at me like that, Sean? I hate when you do that. I'm saying Massachusetts is the state of Uh, Minnesota. (laughs) Well, this is more our. uh, I don't know what you would call it. We were music people for most of our lives, so we didn't really hang around with the uh, the sports crews. Um, But uh, anyway, we uh, we uh, unfortunately maybe this is gonna uh, to this is gonna uh, tarnish our credibility with fantasy stats. But we are playing this year. We're gonna cut this. This is gonna get cut. So (laughs) yeah, just don't worry. I'm gonna edit this. You'll hear. I'm gonna put in a voiceover over this. Say this is censored. Now you're gonna get invited to every fantasy league because they know you're a newbie. I mean, yeah. I well, no. Hey, well, so what I was we gonna say, play, we were what, very. I mean, yeah. What I was gonna say is, we played for probably ten years, uh, and then it's only the last two years that we haven't played, just because we've been the, the site takes a lot of time, and we don't. I don't have a lot of time to uh, to um, spend, or I I I didn't know if I was going to, and 
Just a lot of stuff happened quickly. That's anyway. So enough about fan. Go check out the fantasy projections on evolving-hockey.com uh, under the tools dropdown. We will be probably redoing uh, the nav bar uh, navigation menu so that's a little bit more organized. We've, we've had a lot of stuff that get, has gotten added to it since we built the the menu, and I think it needs a little bit of a revamp. Um, but for the time being, you can check them out. Uh, let us know if you have any questions about those uh, via DM, email, the standard ways of contacting us. So yes. that's 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 all I have to say about fantasy for at least for another two weeks. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> all right, next topic. Sean, what do you got for us? <laughs> I don't know. You guys want to talk about the crack and... I... I mean, we don't have to. Well, it's I kind was of disappointing. Yeah, it was topical. Been... Bad. Did you say topical? Yeah. yeah, it's a word. That is a word. On topic, it is a word. It's just I don't know. It, in the last just, week, it, it's it's been a disappointment because at the beginning of the year, right? Like you guys are saying, like they should be in a playoff spot, and we were all we were we were saying this. I shouldn't say you guys. We're saying they should be in a playoff spot. Like they're not a great team, but they have good goaltending and they're a good defensive team and in <laughs> such a you know, like sort of a mediocre division and league. They should be in a playoff spot. And then they have absolutely zero goaltending. Grubauer is playing Yeah. Uh, I mean and Drieger too. They're both their goalies are really not doing well. Sorry, continue, Sean. It's been no, no, it's just it's just been rough there. And yeah. I'm hoping they pull like a 2018-19 St. Louis Blues and and they Drop come them. back out for the second half of the season because I mean you gotta love everything else about the Seattle Kraken right like the arena is super cool they had definitely the best broadcast in the league the best yeah, regional broadcast what, yes. in the league yeah. shout out to Root Sports they they've done a phenomenal job there. Um, from John Forsland to JT Brown to our girl Allison Lucan to all those I can't really remember their names right now because they're <laughs> too new to me. But but you know what I'm saying? Like they're they've just done a terrific job. Yeah, the fan base is good. They've done a terrific job educating their fans. Like you want you're everybody's cheering for this team, I think. And then poor poor uh, Grubauer. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's just kind of funny because, like, Grubauer, I mean, just base, he has been one of the most stable goalies in terms of our goalie guard model. And that's kind of saying over something. The past. Over the past, like, six years. So you Four, knew it was since, just going to break. I know, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> so, like, for instance, in starting in 1617, when he, his, his, I don't know, what is that, his fourth year with the Capitals, he was like, you know, a four, four standing point goalie. And he's basically been between four and nine standing points above replacement up until this season, and he is negative five standing points above replacement. So that is an, uh, uh, it's like, it's honestly, like I, I was just saying, it's like, this feels like the, like last year's Flyers with Carter Hart. We're like out of, and now Carter Hart's again this season leading the league in our GAR model for goalies. And this is again, like we always kind of joke, but goalies are just, just given like the data we have, I would say it's the, one of the most difficult things to analyze. And I would even still probably say that. Until we have something like goalie position, um, which kind of also is a whole other area for building an expected goals model. If we had goalie position, like that would be a huge. I mean, I would I would almost certainly say that would be a giant indicator of, you know, a, a, a predictor of goal probability if we had goalie position. But we don't. Um, it's it would be a very difficult thing to kind of have skater position given how big the data would be for that. But anyway, like with the data we have, it's just goalies seem to really 
I mean, we we've said this all the time. Goalies are very difficult to predict, and I mean, but I don't think anybody thought Grubauer was going to be this bad. No, or it, you know, and we were saying like I think most people it seemed like Drieger and Grubauer were very very solid. Like I mean, that's what we that's what I saw with other projections. The the their goalie tandem was really good. Now they gave they gave a huge contract to Grubauer, right? Like a really long extension. Yeah. It was it was a that was the big point of contention I think for some people this offseason was like when they went out and signed that big goal you know contract I think it was was it five year six year deal um, like six million something like that it was five by six I believe yeah, yeah. and uh, I I just think it it was yeah I the other thing though is like I like what you said you know and I so I was looking at this a little bit and I didn't get as big I didn't get to the final version of doing this kind of research but this happens. Fairly often where a player, a goalie is consistently good and then they have a terrible year and then they come back the next year and are, are pretty good. I mean, I think Carter Hart is a great example, but the but the biggest, I think the biggest, I was looking at this, the biggest change year over year in terms of um, goalie gar, in, at least uh, going back to 2007, 2008 and Wait. removing this year. Oh, sorry. Can Sean, I take you a wanna... guess? Can I take a guess? Uh, yeah. Well, I can throw out some. Yeah. If you want to guess no, the biggest well, difference. Is it, is it Freddie Anderson? Uh no, it's oh. not. It is uh um another guess. Do you have another guess? I don't know. <laughs> no, let me hear it. Let me hear it first. Actually, hold on. Let me just. We might uh, be going too far back. We yeah. Um. So the biggest drop off, and I wanted to just just uh make sure that I have this filtered right because it was looking a little bit strange. The biggest drop off, uh, I think that you both should remember this. I would think at least Sean will remember this. Was uh Bobrovsky? Um, no, Jonathan no. Quick. Uh, from 2017-2018 to 2018-2019. The season in 2017-2018, he played 64 games and put up 41 gar, goalie gar. And in the 18-19, 2018-2019, let me just clarify. Uh, <laughs> uh, that season, he put up negative 8 gar in 46 oh. games. So a drop of almost 50 gar in one season is the biggest one. Um, and the second one was uh, Tim Thomas. Yeah, in uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, so his that season he dropped the second most gar from his previous year. Third is Nabokov. Uh, fourth is again Tim Thomas in 2011. So Tim Thomas bounced around quite a bit. Wait, um, wait, wait. In, 2011 he went down. He had negative yeah. gar in 2011. No, he dropped though. So let let me just do, let me just go to Tim Thomas here really quick then. Um, so just. I thought, in, if I remember correctly, that 2011 season was oh, his, like all around. His playoffs, obviously, that was... Yeah, this is just but, regular season, too. Just regular season. But this is what, what we have for Tim Thomas. What in the world happened with him? 2008, 2009, he, put, he played 53 games. He put up almost 47 gar. In 20, 2009, 2010, he played 43 games. He put up less than one gar. So a drop of 46 gar. And then in 2010, 2011, he played 57 games, and he put up 45 gar. So he's gone basically, and then the four- next year he went to in fifty nine games he put up three gar. Yeah, so he he w- basically went forty gar zero gar forty gar zero gar, and this is the thing with and that was playing pretty consistent games. Now there are um, I think I will say that some of the early goalie data can get a little weird, although we're kind of out of that range now. Anyway, so my point is that. I don't think that Grubauer is this bad or will be this bad going forward. I think what's happening is um, a very, very unique thing, like a fluky thing that I think we will see go like Carter, like kind of follow the Carter Hart 
route, given how consistently good Grubauer was with Colorado. Now, obviously, there are some team aspects. There's changing teams, and with the idea of you know the complete introduction of a new expansion team. But I think if you look at Seattle, and I think I tweeted this, the I, I don't think there's anything that you can really say about them that would lead to them being this bad other than goaltending. And I think it's unfortunate they're getting goalied in their first season, which is uh, the exact opposite. But you got to learn. You got. I guess you, you do you have know, to learn as a fan. Got, as a fan, you know it's yeah. it's hard out there. It's hard when out the there. goalies don't play well. It's yeah. hard. You know, you know, it's a tough one. I know. Being uh, Minnesota Wild fans for so long, I don't think we've had other than Josh Harding's. Uh, year and Darcy Camper when he was like kind of okay. Wild and I think Dubnik right after they got him from Arizona was 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 actually really good. But every other year the Wild have never had a good goalie. Yeah. Uh, but and anyway, yeah. it uh, goalies are are hard. Um, but also I should say with the goalie guard model that um you know I really need to write up our expected goals above replacement model. But the goalie guard model is a component of the or it's it's a it's the counter it's part of the shooting component from our X guard model. So. Goaligar is it's a logistic regularized logistic regression, and that where you have a variable that is shooters, and you have a variable that is goalies, and they're all categorical, and then you get the coefficient. I won't I won't go into too much explanation, but basically the Goaligar model is based on um, it, it's it's um, each goalie gets a coefficient from a logistic regression, kind of like our RAPA models, it's very similar to that, but it's a logistic regression, and it accounts for the shooter they're facing, um, score state, you know, um, strength state, um, and then the expected goal value of the shots they're facing. So it's kind of what the way you can think about it is it's kind of like a much more complicated goals saved above expected value. That's essentially what you get, and then we adjust for replacement level um, kind of based on the same. I can't actually... I don't even remember it's a good, how it's we a did. Good, it's a good little uh, little it's reminder. Good stat. Yeah, yes. it's a good. Yeah, it's a good little yeah, reminder. It's a also good that, stat that Luke needs to write this up too. Luke, for for people who don't know, Luke, actually, pretty much everything that's that evolving <laughs> wild has ever been written, it, has ever written was written by me, Josh. And that's Luke, not true. <laughs> that's I wrote the wrap em write up. Luke wrote the wrap em write up with my, which might be our most uh, referenced uh, write up, and yeah. you wrote the penalty goals. Yeah, I think the XG mo- is and I, some of our early spoke. hockey graph stuff we split up, and but most of the stuff I write because I I kind of like writing. Luke hates writing. I, I hate writing, and Luke then I'm the editor. Writing. I'm the editor. I tell yeah. Josh what he needs to change. <laughs> that is then. true. <laughs> it's it's very frustrating actually. I'll write up like kind of a long <laughs> thing, and then Luke, I have Luke. Okay, Luke, we got to read you know read this, and we'll spend an hour and Luke just nitpicking the things that I did you wrong. Miss a comma. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. That's why Josh. Everybody thinks Josh is so good at writing is because <laughs> I'm. It's the secret right here, baby. It's, it's all me. Luke is yeah. the actual. He's the real reason why we can write all right. Yeah. Anyway. Um. But yeah, the Kraken having a. But I. I still think they're. I don't think they're. I. I honestly think that they aren't. Well, are they out of? Are, so are they out? Are they out of contention? Do you think that there's a chance that they could still get back in, given the state of the Pacific, or do you think their their season's kind of over in terms of playoff? possibilities or, or, or chances because I don't really know given how good Calgary has been this year um I, I think that they're what gonna have to shoot for the wild card probably if they want to make it um in the west right or I mean western conference is that a question for Sean or me for both of you but Sean I think because Luke and I have been talking a lot in the words of Kevin Garnett anything is possible <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think they're out of it after the blues too the blues in 2018 19 I we haven't had a full season since then that's the last full season I don't 
I don't stop believing in a team, I guess, that, that could be decent. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think they're still even, – even to take a division spot, I think they're still in it. Yeah, yeah. we. I, mean, I, we I had... don't believe those – just because we have a small sample of these goaltenders being horrific, I don't necessarily believe that they're they're bad. I do – I I believe that they're the best tandem in the yeah. league. And oh, you still so, think they're the best? Yeah, well, yeah I'm not going to let – Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One month's worth of no. of work, you know, just completely change. Oh and yeah, I, sorry. I'd be a little bit more um, skeptical in my, in my previous evaluation of that, but I, I still do think that they're an extremely good tandem and that they're still solid defensively. They lack some, you know, other pieces. I don't think they're a terrific team, but I could see yeah. them coming back. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, we currently have them with a, and I actually there was an error in our playoff projection. Uh, don't talk about it. No, Nobody we are right. Don't. I'm gonna no, delete it, the tweet. It brought it brought about a good, a good tweet. Right, that yeah, was a good tweet. It did. Me. It did. But Luke, continue, and then we'll talk about the error that Luke made. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It was just it was one object that I didn't replace correctly. No, 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 no. Anyway. Uh, anyway, we have them currently with a. This is before the games to, from tonight finish. Uh, we have, we had them with the forty two and a half, forty two point two percent playoff probability. Like that's our projection for probability of making the playoffs. Because um, they are are having to go up. Like the Predators are at forty three point eight percent, and the Blues are at sixty three point six percent. So, um, yeah, it's it's looking like more of a coin flip, a little bit on the. Uh, more pessimistic coin flip view for the Kraken in terms of making the playoffs, but it's definitely not out of the possible, like, you know, out, out of possibility that they make the playoffs. It's just, yeah, I mean, they have the second worst points percentage in the league right now. And they have, you know, I don't know. It's just, they, they've had incredibly poor goaltending. And I mean, what is their save percentage? It's 80. No, it's 85%. <laughs> that can is that you, right? Can you, I don't know. Is that right? I mean, that's what I have Luke, on the research, site. Research. Luke's research. Yeah. Go to evolvinghockey.com. Josh has never contributed to the site. Yeah, so <laughs> the uh, the the next worst, this is out of, since 0708, the all strength or 5-on-5 five five, EV? All situations. Uh, this is straight save percentage, not score, not, not score adjusted. So this is straight save percentage. The Kraken are at 85%. And the next worst were the 2021, the 20, the 2020, 2021 Philadelphia Flyers with 88%, which was last year. That's so bad. Too. And so <laughs> like we're Flyers. looking at like the the Kraken's goaltending so far is just unbelievable. Is like historically bad. It's like 80s goaltending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like they 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 just they reduce the size of Grubauer's pads only. Yeah, and that's like the, kind of what we're looking at here because we're looking. I mean, there is not. I mean, that's an incre- that, that there's no way that is a sustainable number. Like it'll at least come up. I would say probably three points, three percentage points by the end of the season. So I don't know, it, and it could jump quite a bit more. And so it, it but yeah, it, the Kraken have had an incredibly unfortunate uh, goalie situation. But you know, as a like like, it's just you got to learn the new fan base. You know, Vegas was spoiled, but it's it's like a pendulum. It's like when the always new, next new team it always swings back, and the Kraken got goalied, and that's just what's happening. Right so now. I I think they will be. Um, I also think that I don't know, Sean, if you've been still watching their games, but I still think 
at least for me, maybe this is just my defensive uh, uh, preference, is that they I do like watching defensive hockey, and they've been a pretty good defensive team. I mean, I think. I, I guess I should maybe go and double-check that. Luke, am I wrong? You're giving me I a... Like I, I don't should go double-check that. What? I'm not. I'm looking at other things right now. Okay. But no, that's, that's true. So let's see. 2.21... 2.12 at 5 on 5 expected goals against per hour um which would land them 5th in the league at at the time that we're recording this it'll update whenever you update the site tonight um then and yeah they they have no offense yeah, they so, have no offense. But that was kind of that's like, like I think, fifth worst. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of people were saying like, I mean, like, oh, well, how are they going to score, right? Because they didn't really take a lot of, you know. And I think the 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 idea here was that they were going to win with goaltending and defensive play. Um, now, I don't know. There's a lot of like claims people say, oh, defense wins. Do people say is that an NFL thing only? I don't know what. No, that's a thing. What, what the, is the thing that wins playoffs? Wins. <laughs> what do people say? What are the, the traditional narratives? It doesn't matter. It you need matter. a number one center and you need a top defenseman yeah. to well, win you the do Stanley need Cup. A good, you need a good fourth line. Yeah. Fourth line. <laughs> you need a good all lines. You need that's all the lines say. to be good. Yes. But no, the, 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 the Kraken, maybe I just like the Kraken because they remind me of the, my, my favorite team, the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> they don't really have any offense. They're kind of all defense and their the goaltending The Minnesota Wild sucks. has also had their goaltending troubles. <laughs> I mean, they've always had. They've I don't think a lot of people thing. quite realize. Well, uh, what about that year with with uh, Dubnik? Well, that's what I was saying. Years. I think it was yeah. fifteen. That was one year, 16, 14, 15 that they traded for. That was like you know Chuck Fletcher's uh, kind of hail mary to get Dubnik. It was then that was right after Dubnik had been. He was in Edmonton, and then he went to N- Montreal, and then Nashville, and then he was in Arizona, I think, or something. It was like that he bounced be, around. That might be correct. He he yeah. came. He sort of came back to life yeah. in Arizona. And then, a little, yeah. It was the so coach in Arizona. I remember that was a thing. There was uh, the goalie coach. I don't remember who the goalie I, I coach was. I think it was something in the water. But then, like yeah. they sent, they sent him up to, to Minnesota, and and he just went on a tear. Yeah, he did. So other than that, though, though I guess my, yes, we're we're yes. should so we do team wrap up charts? What should we do team wrap up charts? Is you this just do... an idea that's spawning yeah. off on the, on the... <laughs> yeah? Because I was looking podcast. at I was look, looking at the Bruins. They're crazy defensively this year. Like their XGA from our even strength defense or even strength wrap them. I is think there's insane. something going on there. To be honest with you, what do you mean? In, How do you there's mean? There's something quality. in the water. I think there's something in the quality. No, I think there's something <laughs> in the water in Boston. In the I do think there's something in the quality of data there. Something seems a little bit off. Have you yeah, done any? Well. D- is that just a? Uh, that's a hypothesis. That is a hypothesis. I know they changed where the scorekeepers are, but I don't think that would affect anything. I just, something seems a little off. Like. There's just no if you look at their heat maps like there's just nothing very close to the net. Okay. Uh, it looks like like some of the shots are being re- located a bit further away. I'm sure. Should we investigate that? Well, what we're, we're going to put that on our on our whiteboard of things to investigate, and yes. Luke will also uh, be well, making. Well, Luke will be the one to research it. I I've gathered <laughs> what, I don't, this podcast. I don't, Josh I don't did the research, research of that last year. Did you, didn't you just hear me talking about all this gar research, goalie gar research I did that you guys couldn't even guess? You didn't even well, know who I was talking like about? five things at, jo- at, at Josh, <laughs> at Luke before. And I don't even think he got to anything, but we did learn about the history of Duluth, Georgia, and yeah. um, Big where research Joe Pavelski is from. Yeah, yeah. What Plover. was it again? Plover, Plover that's right. But no um, team rap of George. Should we do that? I I mean I think it sounds like a like we'll have them out tomorrow. Like kind a winner. Of thing. Yeah. Is that a winner? Well, no. We have... should. We should. Um, maybe we should make a decision on next podcast. Maybe we should. 
Luke, no, Luke, Luke's already, he's got the kernel. The, I can see it in his eyes. The kernel is already there. It's already oh exploding in his brain, and he tonight <laughs> is going to be working on that because he probably, I don't know. Dude, actually, that code is so old. I know it is. We have to go and redo it. I did it. Well, I, so it. People I did. love it. People, I, people love it. If, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And we don't have to go redo it, but we're going to If it's not team, broke, make team rapper charts. <laughs> 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 Maybe we'll have those out, but we're gonna have to find a new color scheme to differentiate them. Anyway, um, this has no. been. This is. What do you want? What colors do you want, Sean? Let's do red and green. No, no you can't I'm do red kidding. And green. <laughs> oh. Let's do. Let's do the like that gold and like purple that Micah does. I. I quite oh yeah, too. that's kind of like our the colors of our goalie charts. I like the goalie. Chart you can do per. Uh, can you do purple and green? Well, normally the ones that uh, you'll yeah, see it's, like is, it's a purple, and... green, and yellow. Um, that are the that's what is that? It's We're a, talking about colorblind friendly charts. By yes, the way. yeah. We, that's, we try that's to make a, all of our charts colorblind friendly. Yeah. After maybe when we were first starting, someone on Reddit yelled at us. This was like five years ago, and I we were just starting making visualizations, and I had, did not know about colorblind friendly. So we went and learned. It is. I will say it's. I think it's co- quite important. Even just um like for there's a I don't know I I I don't know that it's off my, off the top of my head, but. There's a large, you know, decent number of uh, people who are colorblind just for a couple colors, not just every color. I think that's very rare, but um, it's generally good. Now, the one thing is, you actually, what we should be using is patterns in our colors. Yeah, like that. That's I think the better way to do it. But there isn't a way to do that in ggplot. Yeah, in we're our, always trying. I mean, um, <laughs> it's something can, with accessibility on our site. Yeah. I, I think we could do a lot better job. But, but it's yeah, just a if, lot of. If you do, if you do have like, if you are um, colorblind or, there, or you have issues viewing the our, some of our visualizations, let us know because we would love to. We I, yeah. I, I we don't really hear a lot about it. So if there are things that we can improve, we would be very happy to yeah, do and, that. And, um, and, and if we have, better. I think it's a lot of visualizations. It's hard. I think especially with plotly. Like I think that with also for. People who You're have just throwing um, jargon out now, Luke. No yeah, one knows what well, we're talking about. Anyway, with our interactive charts, right? Oh, you yeah. can't put a description really. I don't know how with screen yeah. readers how that works, but anyway, we we will hope to yeah. kind of address that in the future. But I think that's a good, a good yeah, point. Reach to... out if you have any issues with accessibility on the site. Yeah, we would I, be happy to try try to uh, accommodate because we don't, uh, you know. Uh, that wasn't initially what I was saying is that you have we're we're always learning. <laughs> we are. Yes. That's, so there's actually, that's true. <laughs> sometimes we don't think about things and yeah. then that's we didn't mean anything by it. We just didn't no. know. So we mostly I, learn about geography here. Yeah, yes. But someone that. was really angry at us on, on Reddit like four <laughs> I, I, five years ago. I remember about, that we were just it was mostly Luke doing like little Excel charts. Yeah. Know? And someone I think I had and it was like a classic. It was a classic Reddit response where somebody just for no reason was extremely mad and about something that we hadn't ever. But that's enough. I think we need to stop it here because we're going kind of long here, and uh, it's we're going to start losing listeners at a certain point. We want everyone to keep stick around. Yeah, you know? right. Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah, stick around. Subscribe. <laughs> 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 smash the Stick smash around. that like button smash that like button share here. with your friends uh contact anyway, us Sean you... why don't you take us out yeah take us out of here Sean okay you want me to hit end <laughs> no 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 <laughs> just you got to end the podcast you're the host you got to end the podcast all right well that's a that's another evolving hockey this is episode uh 11, 11. podcast 11. episode yeah. 11 um so it's prime, been great prime hopefully number? hopefully you laughed and learned and well, Loved. Love. <laughs> <laughs> have, a, have a good week, guys. Yeah, prime yeah. number 11. Oh. It's a prime. What are you talking about? Luke? You're saying oh it's a prime. God. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're out. We're out. That's what you're mumbling. Okay. Yeah. Great to see you, Sean. Take care. We'll All talk right. uh, yeah. next week. Yeah. Take, take it easy.